Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land on which the House of Sin and Studio stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. This is the OST podcast, original soundtrack on Sin Nation. Catch us live from 7pm every Tuesday on Sin Nation. With that song, we bring you into OST, the show music show where we deep dive into music behind some of our favorite movies tv shows and video games if you recognize that song it's the very bit crushed very compressed version of the (laughs) kath and kim theme song it's because it's time to throw shrimp on the barbie stone the crows and tell him he's dreaming because it's time to discuss the best aussie movies and tv shows erin isn't with us today she's recovering hope you're recovering well erin so it's just me paul (laughs) big shout out it's also not just me so to help me out tonight we have two representatives from sin 90.7's all aussie music show called the hoist named after the iconic hills hoist of course uh we do have two lovely guests and it's neve and beck thank you guys for coming on with me g'day thanks for having us that wasn't a, that wasn't as a, as an Aussie reply as Beck's. Oh g'day. yeah, true. Um, I can't think of one on this one. I'm sorry. Stone uh, the flame and crows. Yeah, stone the flame and crows. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an Australian. Give me five minutes. Okay, I'll maybe after the next something. song break, he can come back with like a really big Aussie. Yeah, that'll be Larrican good. Kind of I'll saying. try. I'll go on to um, Saddle Bogan Traits on Facebook. <laughs> oh my god, I clicked onto it and it was the first thing that came up. Um, so yeah, you are you are on OST. We're a show where we talk all about soundtracks and things like that. We thought we'd do a special Aussie episode for you guys. So we're going to be diving into five very different Aussie uh, movies and TV shows. And I think we'll start off with a really iconic one. I think this is a bit of a sad one because Erin is a really big fan of the show. Um, and she can't be here to discuss it, which is a shame. Um, but we're all music fans here, so it's something we can talk about. And it's Slide, um, which is actually a TV show I didn't know about. But to give you a small recap on what Slide is, uh, it was released in 2011 and it only lasted one year. It only lasted one season. Uh, it was just super sad. It didn't um, get renewed for an extra season past one, which is, you know, how sometimes the mighty fall. But uh, <laughs> it stars Gracie Gilbert, Adele Perovic, Emily Robbins, Ben Schumann, Brenton Thwaites, and Haley Magnus, which I think are kind of the main cast of the movie, of the show. And it features original music by these amazing people. It has Last Dinosaurs, Cubsport, Tim and Jean, Architecture in Helsinki, Operator Please, Cut Copy, Bag Raiders, Miami Horror, Hungry Kids of Hungry, Foster the People, and Gypsy and the Cat, which wow. is just like my entire iPod discography yeah, in I 2011. Think, I think that's the only band that my iPod m- m- Nano has on it. <laughs> my little green iPod Nano that I had in high I, school. I feel like Slide <laughs> is the visual representation of an iPod Nano. If you were to like, you know, in like Jimmy Neutron or something, they'll do an experiment and they make a mistake. Like, they accidentally made an iPod Nano into a human being. That's what Slide... (laughs) They'd go on to create the TV show, which is Slide. Um, And the general plot, I don't know. Um, It's very Skins-esque, I guess, in lots of ways. But I think the best way to describe it is that it's Skins, but in Australia. Um, I honestly had never really heard about Slide um, up until I met Erin. And she... We were hanging out one day and she was just like, do you want to watch Slide? And I was like... What's Slide? I don't even know what that is. Uh, and I guess the rest is hit- history because we put it on. And it's a really good show. Um, like, Beck, you're a big fan of the show. Yes, I love it. <laughs> my, my teenage self really, really loves it. And 
Yeah, I kind of was watching Skins before I got into Slide. I feel like that was an extension of Skins for me, and it was more relatable because it was set in Australia. Yeah, do you go back yeah. to Slide? I do. I, I I have twice. Not in the last, like year and a half but yeah. maybe maybe like two years ago i did i mean like not to disrespect the show but it is a show that you can binge easily yeah definitely. it's one season so you don't have to like <laughs> it's not like how much your mother are friends where you have to crawl through like 20 seasons it's like if you want to watch it you just put the dvd on and it's over in like two hours is that where you watched it off a dvd yeah Oh, damn. I think that's, like, the only place you can watch it. Yeah, like, it's, I just think big Google and Like, it's not, you know, um... Netflix can't, you know, Netflix won't have it. Stan won't even have it. I think it is on YouTube. <laughs> you can, like, yeah, probably yeah. find some dodgy website. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. advocate for that, but <laughs> if you want to try, give it a, um, give it a whack. <laughs> because there's only one season, though, I feel like you have to give it a few years in between watches. Otherwise, you kind of remember. I'm the person who likes to rem- to forget what's happened in a yeah. show and then go yeah. back to it to like remember so i think anyway yeah. well i think this I show kind of works it. in that way like in the benefit of that because it just kind of like lots of really precarious situations going on um <laughs> which is you know really i guess really popular at the time in those kind of teen comedy shows like um, the in-betweeners comes to mind mm. um and skins as well um which are three shows that make me cringe with anxiety when i watch them because it all these people just create so much like damage and break all these laws and you're just supposed to be like oh you know they're just kids they're just yeah. teenagers but well, i'm tried... watching and i'm like uh, nah. yeah i tried watching skins like re-watching skins the other day and i was like how is i so into this <laughs> like i was like oh my god like oh no like i don't know like what happened i don't know if it's because i'm like exclusively into comedies now like i can't watch anything serious i don't know if, i don't know if that's a like a a deep delve into my psyche or something. But, like, <laughs> yeah, I tried watching Skins the other day. And you're right. It's just, like, I'm just, like, oh, my God. Like, these guys are going to get in trouble. <laughs> I remember watching it and being, like, this is what my teen is. Because I I um, ordered the uh, first season from the library. And my oh my, da- my parents went to pick up our library orders. So we're a library family. And, um, and my parents, like, sat me down and were, like, you shouldn't watch this. It's too adult for you. You're only, like, 13, 14. And then I was, like, okay. And I just ripped it from a torrent online <laughs> and i was like cop that mum and dad <laughs> like, that's the way to go if you yeah. can't borrow a movie from the library you just yeah rip if your it parents won't let you watch a dvd from the library then just go online kids <laughs> like well, um yeah, but yeah like, like watching it now i was like oh my god like this is so unrealistic yeah i don't know for me maybe i was just a big nerd but like well i was like what the hell is happening i think that's good because slide although it's not like uber realistic in comparison to skins they don't like break yeah. All these horrible laws, but it's more like realistic, preca- pre- precarious moments. Yeah, yeah, like socially embarrassing moments. Yeah, okay, or... I don't watch Slide. I'm interested now. You, you should. Like I think looking yeah. at the looking at the soundtrack that we spoke about earlier, and then Skins in Australia. I'm like, I would have et this up. Me too. Five That's years, the thing. Five, six years that ago, I find this so would be weird. like extreme niche niche areas. Yeah, <laughs> like if I watched this, I would have like eaten this up if I watched it when it came out, which is a shame that I didn't. Yeah, I know. I feel like I've missed out. Um, but what I what I like about this as well is that the soundtrack is also very much within the show, um, because in Skins as well, I you know I was thinking on the way here how like what are the similarities? There are points in Skins as well where they have live performances um, with some bands here and they're like it's weird they go to a club like a nightclub and there's just like a twee indie rock band playing at a club and I'm like that doesn't really is it a fit in is it a known band? 
I have no idea. They don't oh, name okay. them in skins, which is the thing. They're just yeah, like... Yeah, well, it's like in skins, there's a... Like, sorry to go back to skins because it's the <laughs> show that I watch. But they have a scene where Crystal Castles is playing in the Oh, club. yeah, that's right, yeah. And I was like, oh, whoa, <clears throat> again, a big fan as a team. Yeah, well... Problematic now, but <laughs> at the time. Yeah, they do that They do that in Slide where it's like, oh, here's ballpark music. Really? Or here's Last Dinosaurs. They're playing a show at a laundry. It's like, they actually... It's part of the storyline. So in the episode that... Uh, Beck really um, was talking about earlier. Um, it's part of the storyline. So the whole point is that one character wants to interview Last Dinosaurs and meet them, um, and, but it's not just like they're meeting a no-name band. They're actually meeting Last Dinosaurs, and they're actually there. Um, uh, but it's when they were starting out, so they're like babies when you go back oh and watch God. it. They're like little children. It's so cute. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the bands are actually a part of it. So I think ballpark music who I love very much. Really? Um, you've, nah. you've never brought it up nah, before. No, it never comes up. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, like, appear at a pool party or something like that, but it's not just, like, they arrive at the pool party and ballpark music are there. It's, like, it's actually a part of the storyline, um, which is good. Like, the, the music pops up in a similar way like it does in um, Skins, where, you know, a lot of it is, is music in the background to heighten the mood, but a lot of it is actually interwoven into the storyline, which is... Like the best way to do music in a, in a kids or not kids like a teenage show, definitely. I feel, and it's really kind of um, reflective of the music scene that was happening when the show was being created and stuff. Yeah, like like the artists that you mentioned and all the songs that are played. It's just like a reflection on the Australian music scene at the time. Well, it's it's reflective of the the Brisbane music scene yeah, as well because yeah, it, it's set set in Brisbane, so. Like, who else are the three kind of juggernauts of Brisbane than Last Dinosaurs, Ballpark Music, and Cubsport? Like, they're kind of the three big um, names to come out of there. Um, so it's not only just, like, what's cool on Triple J, what's cool um, in the Hottest 100, it's also, like, what's coming out of Brisbane, and it's these bands. So it's kind of like a time capsule in that way. It's really cute. It's kind of like, if you want to go back to 2011, if you miss what was going on back there, you just chuck on slide and there you are. <laughs> You're back in the 2011 so music good. scene, and there's Amazing. so there's so many actors as well that are kind of um, you'd recognise from a lot of other Australian oh, programs, like the dad from this show. Um, there's a dad in this show that I was just like, I I know you. You're so familiar, mm. but I, I can't remember. I, I don't even know what he's in, but he's in like yeah, ad, he's I'm, in an I'm ad or something. IMDb right <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll do some IMDbing during a song. Yeah, that's, so that's a good idea. We'll, we'll play a song for you now. It's a song you all should know pretty well from the Jays. It's the last Dinosaur song um, off one of my favourite albums as well. So I'm, a, I'm like a massive Last Dinosaurs fan. I didn't know they were coming up in the episode of Slide that we watched. Um, and they appeared. I just like, I exploded. I was like, oh my God, it's Last Dinosaurs. So is that um, why it's your favourite episode for the season? I think so. Yeah, yeah it's just... I. Yeah, it was such a funny episode up until that point, and then I was like, they actually got Last Dinosaurs to be in this. Insane. It's amazing. It's um, episode three, if anyone was wondering. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> Looking at, just quickly before we go to the song, on IMDb, somebody is listed as their like role in the show is Festival Straggler. <laughs> Big mood. Big mood. <laughs> you definitely yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely that. Um, Amazing. Well, now we're going to jump to Last Dinosaur's song, which is Honolulu. You're listening to OST, original soundtrack on Sin Nation with Paul, Neve, and Beck. Hey, Aaron, does it sound uh, kind of quiet to you here? Now that you mention it, yeah. It's a little bit 
That's due to media law and some copyright laws, so we couldn't contain music in our podcasts. If you want to hear some of the tunes that we've been playing on our show, you can head to our Spotify playlists. You can find them on our Facebook page at OST Sin. Cool. You're welcome. Thank you. That was Honolulu by Last Dinosaurs, who featured heavily in the TV show Slide, which we all think you should go and watch if you haven't seen it. It's an interesting slice of Aussie TV. Because you are on OST, on Sin Nation, we are talking all things Aussie, Aussie music, Aussie soundtracks, Aussie movies, Aussie TV shows. And from Slide, we are jumping to, I guess, I don't know, a more niche side of, like, Australian <laughs> kids' movies. It's Napoleon, um, which is a pick of Bex. Best movie ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that came out in 1995. Um, I feel like... This is a movie like um, Beethoven that you just have on VHS, like lying around your Milo house. Milo and Otis. Milo and Otis, That's yeah. That's the vibe I get from it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so this stars Jamie Croft, who plays Muffin, and, which is already so cute. I'm already, like, dying of cuteness. Um, and Philip Quas, who plays Bird, Birdo. Yep. Um, who's a galah? Yep. Is he a galah? galah. Yeah. Well, they're the voices of the characters. Yeah. yeah. So, no, uh, you know, it'd be <laughs> the great if there were people. Name is Jamie Croft. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be great if there were people dressed up as all like CGI animals. But this is before The Lion King 2019. <laughs> this is before all that. They had real animals in the field doing this, yeah. and it's crazy. Uh, it features original music by Bill Conti as well. And the plot, I think it's very simple. Like, a a dog just gets lost in Australia? Oh, no, it's a little bit more than that. Okay, oh, okay. Oh, please explain, please. <laughs> I'll set the scene. I'll go all out. All out. Um, so Muffin lives in Sydney, and he oh, hears... so cute already. <laughs> he's, like, always hearing, hearing the howls of, like, these wild dogs, you know, in the far-off distance, and that's, like, kind of like the continuing theme throughout the um, movie. The motive. Yeah, yeah. the motive, I suppose. <laughs> Lingo. Um, <laughs> and his owner has a birthday party and they have a basket with balloons and Muffin, which is tied up like to something oh, and Muffin okay. gets into the basket and then the tie comes loose and floats away. Oh, oh no. Yeah. It's like up, but <laughs> sort of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like up. It's kind of, I guess it is. I guess, you know, up must have watched Napoleon, <laughs> the, the directors of up. <laughs> um, yeah. And he floats away and then he meets all these animals and for a bit, he's trying to go find um, the wolves, but then he also then has to find his way home at the end. Okay, so, um, yeah, spoilers for Napoleon, but what, what happens at the end? Oh, really? You want to know? Yeah, the wolf, I think so. The, the howling he hears turns out to be the howling of a goanna. <laughs> oh. So it's not actually the wolves. That's um, really deep. There's yeah. like inception levels of, of twists before inception <laughs> even happened. And then he's a bit shattered because he thought it was like his whole destiny to go be a oh. wild dog, you know? And then he's like, oh, I better trot back home then. Oh, no. And then his mum at the end, his mother, Golden Retriever, is there too. And it's really oh, nice that's and heartwarming. Oh, okay, good. I that's cried good. a lot when I was watching clips in research for this. <laughs> it's very nostalgic. The year I was born. Aww. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, I actually, I've got to be honest, I don't think maybe I watched this when I was younger. Because um, I want to talk about the meme behind this because I I always want to talk about memes but the memes behind this movie I feel like when I saw that pop up I recognised the puppy and I recognised the whole kind of scene Yeah. but in my mind I don't think I've ever really I don't think I've consciously seen it it must be when I was really little and I watched it but um, if you don't know this movie recently kind of came back into I feel like international notoriety <laughs> um, due to a really popular scene in the movie where um, Muffin, who has the cutest voice, he's so cute. Um, 
um, his voice actor is just so so lovely. Um, he thinks a frill neck lizard gets run over by a truck, um, and being the cute, adorable puppy he is, he goes over to the frill neck lizard to help him, and the frill neck lizard just yells at him like, "This is my line! Get off my line!" And it's just great. That's it. That's literally <laughs> okay. it. Okay. It's it's like like a shrilling scream. Is like, yeah. Ah! <laughs> scare off muffin um Uh. yeah it's um i feel like i've seen this on lots of international pages on facebook and people just being like oh australia it's so dangerous to live in australia like look at the animals in australia they're like this and i'm like oh it's not that bad um but i guess since you've had beck you've had more of a personal experience with this um what do you like so much about the movie soundtrack uh yeah when i was well obviously when i was growing up i never really paid a lot of attention to the soundtrack and I wanted to pick it because more more because it, it was a very nostalgic movie that was part of my childhood. And there was one song in particular that we'll play a bit later on. Um, kang- I don't know, the Kangaroo song or Kangaroo Laroo Laroo. That was like the main song that I wanted to play and wanted to pick. But going back and listening to some of the other mu- the music in the show, um, it's I feel like it's really... A playful soundtrack and there's a lot of original songs that are worked into the storyline in kind of like a musical sense so um songs are scattered into the narrative and they kind of the characters sing the songs so and do they film the animals like with their mouths closed filming or um the animals mouths are just doing whatever and okay sometimes they don't match up and other times <laughs> like they do so you can see in places where the voiceovers have like been made to match up with like yeah. for example the sound of the goanna there's some goanna noises yeah yeah that are matching up with the mouth but then all the dialogue for muffin and okay. stuff isn't really um necessarily so, matching with their mouths yeah so it's not so much like cats and dogs in that movie where they use visual effects to make their mouths actually open no no they're they... just it's kind of like the dog just moving its head and then yeah. they dub over and that the dog moving its head would be like oh he's talking yeah 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 in some it. movies didn't they get like animals to eat stuff so their mouths yeah would i be think flapping like in babe sort of or something or yes. maybe babes even got cgi in it as well but yeah, before that, I feel like some movies would get yeah. them to do something with their mouth so it looks like they're talking. I think in Napoleon, they don't even try. They're just kind of, <laughs> no. like, mouths <laughs> closed all this. the time. <laughs> yeah. Save on budget. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely like that. But I th- it still works because there's so much character in the, the voice mm. actors that it's just so great. <laughs> yeah, and then you, like, associate that voice with that character so you don't even need it. No, yeah. you know, After well, like yeah. five minutes, you're yeah. like, sweet, I know. It's like, like, I think the Galar has, like, an older British voice ah. and the puppy has, like, a child voice. So you're obviously not going to get mixed up between the two, but... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. Um, and I guess back going back to the soundtrack, it's quite interesting, too, because um, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the music behind the singing, which is done by the animals, is quite orchestral. Mm-hmm. So they've got, like, the woodwinds and violin and percussion and, like, the main one that you hear in one of the songs is flute. And it's really funny. It's not the one we'll be playing, but it's called Muffin, You Better Go Home. And it's, oh. like, a jazzy kind of doo-wop song led by a green frog who has really deep bassy tone. And then a choir of rainbow lorikeets join in. And it's like the the music underneath that is flutes, and it, they're oh, just like bouncing amazing. around, and they're telling Muffin like you won't survive in the wild, go home. 
That's so very cute. <laughs> and then, um, then the Galar, um, Birdo gets like in an argument with the, um, <laughs> with the lorikeets. And so while they're singing, there's just like Birdo, like, ah! <laughs> Like pecking at them and like, just. I feel like sorry. I feel like Beck needs to make her own redub of this movie just herself. I want yeah, I want like a commentary, like directed cut, but it's just Beck over the top of it. The word I was looking for was squawking. Oh yeah, yeah. squawking. Yeah, squawking no, I got you from that one. <laughs> Maybe we should link the, the links to the video. Yeah, no, totally. Well, um, what we'll do is we'll put the video that I badly quoted before up on the Facebook. We'll just have like a whole thread of things from Napoleon because it seems like <laughs> it's, it, it's right. kind of hard to tell you without making animal noises. Definitely worth watching. <laughs> I think this is good audio good content. It's, it's amazing audio content. It's perfect. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the main song that I was really keen to share was uh, the kangaroo song. And Muffin is in the pouch of this kangaroo and they're hopping along and, you know, it breaks out into song and it's sung um, by Barry Humphreys in Dame Edna's voice. Mm. And, you know, there's hello possum scattered throughout the lyrics. So it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty funny. It's probably <laughs> the most 90s Australian thing you could probably imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, we will, we will be playing a song by Dame Edna. We are acknowledging that. Uh, Barry Humphreys isn't, you know, exactly the greatest human being on the planet. But... Bit of a probo bloke. Yeah, bit of a probo man. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, I think I think due to Beck's nostalgia and the fact that it is kind of a funny song and it's a bit silly, uh, we'll be playing that for you. So this is the Kangaroo song by Dame Edna or Barry Humphreys uh, from the Napoleon soundtrack. You're listening to OST original soundtrack on Sin Nation. Are you okay? Is he breathing? I think so. I'll give him a little push. Go away! Touchy. This is my strength! Uh, oh, please, he's just trying to help. That's right. Go away! I'm sorry for caring. That was the dulcet tones <laughs> of Dame Edna Barry Humphreys with the kangaroo song, which you can find in the Napoleon soundtrack. You are on OST, original soundtrack with Paul, and my two very lovely guests, Beck and Neve. That was one of Beck's choices, 1995's Napoleon, which is all about a cute little doggo. You should go see it. Uh, but now we're jumping from 1995, when we were all little babies, to a point where we were all teenagers, or kind of young teens at least, or older teens. teens. <laughs> uh where a movie came out called Tomorrow When the War Began, and I feel like this is a movie that's pretty important to this generation, I guess, or not important, um, depending on <laughs> where your angle is. Um, it came out in 2010, and it stars Caitlin Stacy, who, um, to me, kind of had a resurgence of a career because she was in Please Like Me, um, like 10 years after this movie, uh, uh, because, you know, we're going to talk about it, but Tomorrow When the War Began really didn't go anywhere. Uh, no. Despite being quite popular, it kind of um, didn't even get a head start. It just stopped straight away. Um, so it's good that she, you know, even got a chance to be in Please Like Me further on down the road. It also has Rachel Hurdwood, Lincoln Lewis. This is my favorite um, name of all time. I'll just let you know this. His name's Denise Ack Denise. Yes. <laughs> so it's just his name again, but he has Ack in front of his name. It's great. And Phoebe Tonkin as well. It features a really um, interestingly good original music with Missy Higgins in it, The Temper Trap, Jet, Nick Sester of Jet as well, uh, with Cram, um, oh my God. <laughs> Powderfinger, Sarah Blasco, and Wolfmother as well. So it's a 
it's a pretty big soundtrack. And the plot goes as this. Um, someone, an unnamed foreign power, actually invades Australia. It's heavily implied in because? the books that it's Indonesia. Really? I think. And from the best of my knowledge, because I okay. did have to read this in year eight, and I'm pretty sure we we're reading it, and it was like, are these guys Indonesian? Like, that oh, was, okay. That was the vibe. Uh, this could be, like, complete boo BS on my part. Yeah. That but went completely over my head when I read it. I, I feel like, because we, yeah, we had to read it in school, so we did a lot of deep delving. And I think at one point we were like, oh, okay. But I was like, Indonesia does not have the resources to invade Australia. Oh, it just doesn't have the reason. I'm like, why? Because um, they're sick of Australians probably. Coming to their, like, Bali and stuff is probably the <laughs> reason. Sick of it. <laughs> um, so this movie was, it was actually popular. Um, it was actually the highest grossing Australian movie of the year. Um which is big in a, a sense of Australian cinema because well, I guess since then we've had Red Dog, which is, you know, a really big powerhouse and yes. Sapphires as well. I would love to talk about Red Dog. Just, we, can, we can. Did you guys talk. cry at the end of Red Dog, just as a um, side note? I think I cried at the end of Red Dog too. I found Red Dog too okay. more sad I, I cried at the end of Red Dog and I saw it with my nana and she turned to me and she goes, are you crying? <laughs> and I was like, yes. yes. nana, of course I am. <laughs> and she was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I'm crying. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> um, so some people might cry when they're watching Tomorrow When the War Began. That I might did. be for different reasons, though. I did. Uh, because <laughs> this movie, uh, and especially the original book written by John Marsden, really was everywhere and hard to avoid. I'm pretty sure I went to see Tomorrow When the War Began as a birthday party. Ooh. And it wasn't someone else's. It was mine. So <laughs> I was like, come watch Tomorrow When the War Began with me. And all my friends came. and It was great. Um, but yeah, like a year later when we watched it, we had to study it in school. So everyone mm. was kind of like, thanks for the one up Paul, but also I wish I hadn't seen this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure every single school had this book, uh, all this movie in their curriculum. And I was uh, kind of okay with that, but Neve, you, you weren't. I have a different, I think I was just really anti the books at school. Like we had to read, um, a Salman Rushdie book in year seven. And we all hated that mm. a lot. I was like, I'm glad they put a fat war on him. I hate this book. <laughs> um, and then the next year we had to read Tomorrow When the War Began. And again, we all just like cracked it. I, I just, I think we got creeped out because in one of the bits, it was like, oh, if we had condoms, like we would have had sex or something. And we were all like, Ugh, a man wrote this. Oh, and yeah. he's pretending to be a teen girl. <laughs> and so my whole year was like, we hate John Marsden. Yeah, right, fair <laughs> like, But I feel like we were like a really reactionary, like, um, banded together, like, I want to say group well, thing. Just like know, the people like, from Tomorrow When the War yeah, Began. That's much. interesting. But we were just like, this is a weird book. And then we had to watch the movie and we were like, oh. And I remember we watched the behind the scenes one. <laughs> and I think it was Caitlin Stacy being like, I'm so glad I'm in this movie with Lincoln Lewis and he has to get his shirt off or something. <laughs> and I remember being like, he's not even the hot one from Blue Water High, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, I mean, that was that. But, like... I think, I don't know, I, like... I know being... I think it was either in year seven or year eight for me, too, but I was just, like, so bored of the usual English books, like... Yeah. Um, yeah, what did you have to read in English? I can't even remember far that far back. But it was, you know, lots of plays and Shakespeare and being yes. in year seven. I was like, I'm not really in the mood to, for this like, in year to seven. To go completely off track, but, like, I don't understand why we had to read Shakespeare. It's a play. <laughs> You're not meant to read it. You're... You can use your imagination. Yeah, but this, anyway. But I, I, I personally <laughs> found it easier to um, read Tomorrow When the War Began because I'm like, this is more of a YA yeah, it novel. it was easier to read. It's more sure. in line with what I like because then I like to read a lot of 
spy novels and Alex Ryder and stuff, which we'll oh, get yeah. into in a sec. But I was really like a big fan of those kind of like fiction books. I was like, oh, sweet. We get to read this and watch it. Double yeah, feature. this is true. We did get to watch the movie as well. That's good. Took up a few lessons, which I was stoked about. But like, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I, I remember when I think about it, it's being like, ah, just, uh. <laughs> just like, I don't know why I don't like it so much. I feel like if I rewatched it now, I'd be heaps more, or at least be more tolerant of it. Yeah. As opposed to like at school being like, but I was really angry. Year eight was like peak really angst angsty, yeah. for me. Like speaking of music, I was like way into like Joy Division and, oh, okay. and stuff. Like that was my, like the closest I got to an emo phase. So like, oh, okay. I that think I just sense. hated it because I was like, I hate everything. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, again, I didn't like Lincoln Lewis's character on Blue Water High. So I was just like mad that he was there. Because <laughs> <laughs> if there's my whole life for a lot, like revolves around Blue Water High even still. So like, <laughs> I base all my decisions and opinions off Blue Water High. But, um, yeah, I feel like if I watched it again, I would be like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know if this this movie does have lots of interesting replay value, uh, rewatch value, because it, it came at an interesting time in movie history where everyone was on top of Harry Potter. They were like, this is the coolest thing. People are still, like, not getting over Harry Potter. Mm. And it's still a cow they're milking and milking constantly with these um, Fantastic Beasts movies. <laughs> the cow is so tired. <laughs> <laughs> but they wanted, in that time, to make a Harry Potter. Like, Australia and every other studio, they wanted a Harry Potter. They wanted, you know, eight movies they can make. It's a saga. You can carry the kids throughout seven movies. You can have stars. You can have all that. Everyone wanted it. And they got it in some senses. Like, we had The Hunger Games. We had Twilight. The Insurgent series and Maze Runner. Those are kind of YA novels that worked. But there were three personal favorites of mine that didn't. They died, like, instantly on the first try. And that was Alex Ryder, Percy Jackson, and Tomorrow in the War Began. So Tomorrow in the War Began is a seven-book series. Um, and when you're making Tomorrow in the War Began, you're not just going to do that and finish. You're going to yeah, want to make two, three, four, five through to seven. You've got to find out if it was Indonesia who... Exactly. Know. I don't know what happens in the six other books... Um, do oh, they just... I've read them all, but I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I think more people die. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, Alex Ryder is a series as well. They made a movie with Stormbreaker, which yeah. is a personal, like, cult favourite of mine. I have it on DVD, and I just, like, yes. break it out every now and then. Were there four other books in that one? So Alex four? Ryder? No, it's still going. It's still going. Uh, they, there's, like, eight in the main series... I know I've I know because I've seen these because I've been selling them recently, <laughs> so I know how many there are. Um, I believe there's eight. In the eighth one, he does come to Australia, so that's a cool connection. Um, and then they started doing like a prequel series with some of the characters. So there's a few others, but you know that has eight books. That yeah. could have been eight movies. And Percy Jackson as well, I think, has less. That has about four or five books. As I am. As an aside, looking at Lincoln Lewis's oh, IMDb, yeah. he was also in Slide. Oh! What so, you, who was he in Slide? That was a Dylan? connection. Dylan. Oh, yeah, the older brother of, um, I don't remember he the was character. Only, he wasn't but... in every episode, but he was He was there. He was also in Home and Away and Neighbours. Oh, this guy's done Save it all. Save some for the rest of us, Lincoln. <laughs> <There>. Bloody hell. <laughs> he was the older brother of one of the characters in Slide. Um, oh, okay. So that, Neve's just is discovering it, everything yeah. here. He was also in Mortified, apparently, uh, which was like no. my favorite show. But if there's a soundtrack, there is. We're we're just listing every single Australian yeah, okay. popular TV I know show what that's I'm been. I'm doing when I get home. <laughs> I'm watching. I think it's on Netflix. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I so, definitely wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think Tomorrow When the War Began was an interesting kind of chapter in Australian film because they were trying to make that red dog. They were trying to make that cow for everyone to, um, you know, go to the movies to see for the next seven years. The they movie. Were, yeah, the movie. Thank you. They did were you like... cow? I don't know if you got that, but you said cow. Yeah, you did. It was good. Just checking. <laughs> so they were trying to make that thing, and I guess they failed because it made a lot of money, but no one was interested in more movies. Yeah, people weren't... They invested that movie ticket yeah. with their money, but they didn't invest their emotions mm. to watch more. But they made a Red Dog too, but they didn't make exactly. it Tomorrow in the War Begin too. So. Did, did you cry in Tomorrow in the War Begin? No. no. Did I, I cry in Red Dog? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess similar to Slide as well, the soundtrack is really great in the way that's filled with really good Australian tracks. I know I discovered the temper trap from this movie. Um, or I kind of slightly knew about them because Sweet Disposition was everywhere and everyone knew. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I knew about them. Um, but I didn't know more about them until this... Yeah, this was like the second song of this yeah. that I got into. Because I have this really... Sorry to... Uh, but you know, they, they've been in lots of other Australian things as well. They're in Wolf Creek too as well. Um, wow. And what's their song? Um, the... Uh, Trembling Hands. Yeah, I was going to say Creek Wandering 2. Hands. And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, so they're, you know, they're in lots of Australian stuff, but <laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, yeah. I just remember I wanted, I was hoping that we would all agree on doing this song because I have like the most distinct memory of sitting in like English class or like some other year eight class. I know which classroom it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. It That's was in weird. the 600 building. And he, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and this girl was like, and she wasn't into like music. Like I was a music kid. Like mm. I was in band. Like yeah. I was, I was like, I was the one dishing out music recommendations. And she was like, oh, have you, did you hear this song on the, um, tomorrow when the war began soundtrack? It's really good. And it was Fader by the temperature. Oh yeah. So that's why. And I just have this really, you know, those things that you have like really clear memories of. Mm. Yeah. Well, for I, some I, reason, I'm like burnt into my brain. I can't, being like, I can't remember much more of this movie, but I can distinctly the, remember the moment this song comes on and they're in the car and they're driving on the highway. It's just, <laughs> I don't know why. The song has yep. abilities. The only other one that is like really clear to, in my mind is the opener, the, the Steer, Missy, Miss Egan's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Missy. Yeah. But other than that, um, it's, it's kind of fallen. Yeah. yeah. Wasted away in my yeah. brain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you were saying, um, like Powderfingers on it, but yeah. it's like poison in your mind. Like it's not like my happiness or something like that. Which <laughs> yeah, it's all like it's actually song. interesting. It's all not the biggest hits of all the bands yeah. that are in it. So they could have totally done Sweet Disposition by the Temper Trap, but they didn't. They did Fader. They could have done. It would have been weird hearing Scar by Mr. Higgins in this. Oh my but, god, can you imagine? You know, you know, they could have had that, but they didn't. Or they could have had Joker and the Thief by Wolf Mother, but they had yes. Cosmic Egg instead. So well, you can't Joker and the Thief. I think they used for a um. An ad for the football or something. Oh, yeah. I think. I could easily be spouting so much. No, I think. I feel like this. that's real. I feel like that's a thing. Let me do. Well, how about you play some ones? <laughs> now we'll play Fader by the Temper Trap for you. Um, a very blistery summary hit for your Tuesday evening. You are listening to OST on Sin Nation with Paul, Beck, and Neve. Hey, what's going on? There's a bloody snake in my sleeping bag. You sure, mate? Can't see any. Oh, uh, okay, um, what kind of snake was it? No, we didn't look. A lot of red bellies out here. Are they deadly? No, no. Well, if they bite you. That's Fader by The Temper Trap from the Tomorrow When the War Began original soundtrack. You are on OST on Sin Nation with Paul and my two very lovely guests, Beck and Neve. 
we are talking all things Australian soundtracks. So we just talked about Tomorrow When the War Began. Um, and we're moving on from the kind of big blockbusters uh, down to a documentary that actually came out last year and is um, it's actually up for a couple actor awards, which I believe we actually really well-timed this, guys, because the Arias are tomorrow and wow. the actor awards are, like, on Thursday. So all the awards are this week. All the Australian things are this week. So we planned this super well. Universal aligned. Um, but Gurumal is up for, which is the documentary we're going to be talking about, it's up for several awards, especially the Documentary Music Award. Um, it came out just last year. It stars um, the man himself, Jeffrey Gurumal Yunapingu, as well as Sting, which we'll get into in a bit. <laughs> He's He features in there. Um, and it features original music, of course, by Gurumal and The Police, which again... I am getting to something, I promise, by saying that. <laughs> um, and the plot, it's very simple. It's just a documentary on the life and times of Gurumal, um, an amazing musician who featured in the Saltwater Band as well as uh, Yothu Yindi as well. And it kind of chronicles the last couple months of his life before he passed away and the work that went into his final album, which is Dajamiri, um, which is an album you need to listen to. We're giving you recommendations today. We're giving you lots. We're giving you movies. This is an album you just have to listen to because it, it's it's really amazing. Um, yeah, this is like one of my favorite movies of the year, really. Um, there's so many music documentaries that are out there that are just like arrogant and braggadocious and they're all in your face and they're like, we're musicians, we make art, this is what it's about, we're cool, man, um, and all that stuff. But Gurumal's movie is so humble and shy and held back because he was just such a lovely man, like... If you met him, he would probably just give you, like, all the love in the world and the biggest hug and all that. He just seemed like the best guy. Um, and that really comes across in the movie. Um, and there was such an international and national respect for this man, and that's really clear throughout this movie. Um, I bring up Sting and the Police because there's a part of the movie where he, Gurumal, kind of, what well, that really happened, he gets this international acclaim. People start recognizing him, even overseas, and they start finding out who he is. And Sting invites him to sing with him on TV, um, which is a clip I actually can't find online. <laughs> um, so maybe it's just, uh, you know, something people just haven't put on YouTube or something like that. But um, the second it comes up on YouTube, I'll tell you guys, because it's a really amazing scene because they sing um, Every Breath You Take together. Um, but because Gurumal is blind... Um, that's important. Uh, he was blind. Um, so he was born, born blind. He was always blind his whole, entire life. He didn't know how to read lyrics off a sheet. So, um, Sting brought in the lyrics to every breath you take and just where he lived, which was in the Northern Territory on an island in the Northern Territory. So no one played the police. It was just a thing. No one, no one, you know, really listened to there. So, um, Sting was like, oh, do you know the song every breath you take? And he's like, nah, just never heard of it. Um, and they end up having a duet and it's really lovely because <laughs> Gurumal makes up lyrics like five minutes before they go on air. Um, <laughs> but he makes the most beautiful lyrics. He sings in his own language and he sings in his own beat and like with his own beat to his own drum. Um, and Sting just like deals with it. <laughs> He's the coolest guy. I didn't know Sting was that nice. Apparently he is. <laughs> anyway. Um, the soundtrack of this movie is really great. Beck, you said your mum has been raving about this? Yeah, I think she went to the movies twice to see it because um, she, she's always been listening to Gurumul's work. Mm. And 
since she's seen it in the movies, I was waiting for it to come out on DVD. So it's I on could, DVD. Yeah, so I could buy it for her for Christmas. And I told her that it had come out. And she's come back to me like three times, like, can you go and buy it for me? Like, <laughs> I, need, I want it now, I want it now. And, yeah, I was, like, oh, trying to hold off till Christmas to give it to her, but maybe I'll have to think of another present. But she, yeah, she just loves it. She said it was really beautiful to watch. It It, it is really great. Um, it's getting praise for good reasons because uh, it's just so well made. Like, I can't I can't say it enough. It's so good. Um, and it's so, like, sympathetic as well. Um, and it, it's just so good. <laughs> you go about it all day. Uh, the soundtrack... Um, so the movie was made, as I said, like as Gurumal was finalizing his last album. Um, so that comes a part of the plot throughout the movie, which which is really cool. Um, so the soundtrack's actually filled with working versions and demos of songs from the album and some live versions as well, because they were preparing. I think they toured some of the album as well before he passed away as well. So there's some live versions of that. And the album which is Dajamiri, which was his last album. The album is a mixture of Western classical music and classical Aboriginal music, which is a combination I guess you wouldn't really think would work originally. Gurumal's original sound was more folk, kind of country folk, with his own um, language and his own voice. But there's just so many things that mix well with this. Um, and there's lots of ways this movie visualizes his own way of seeing music which is ironic. I mean, he physically can't see, but he has his own way of seeing it. Um, so there's a lot of like violin pizzicato plucks, like lots of really fast um, violin bits that kind of represent the clapping of sticks. Or there's a part where a tuba sound kind of represents the deep sounds of a didgeridoo. It's so cool. Clever. Um, Very clever. Yeah. No, you need to, first you need to get this album, listen to it on Spotify if you can. Also go see this movie because it's really great. Um, the album's now a bestseller and it's probably one of the most important albums of the last year, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, yeah, we thought it was really important to get a voice out there that really deserves it and, um, you know, that you don't really usually hear on sin or anything like that so we're gonna play i think a song from his last album which is dajamiri uh the song is called galaku and what's interesting about this album is that all the kind of song names tell a story um or they're representative of a classical aboriginal myth or legend that there's songs about the saltwater crocodile or the rainbow serpent um but this one's about is called flag so it's about a story similar to that and it comes from Gurumal's last album, which is called Dajamiri. You're listening to OST on Sin Nation. Hey, Erin. Yes, Paul. What does OST stand for? I'm really glad you asked. It stands for Original Soundtrack. Oh, cool. Is there like a podcast for this or something? Or There is. You're listening to it right now. I'm what? That was Galaku or Flag by Gurumal from his last album, Dajamiri. You are on OST, original soundtrack with Paul and my two very lovely guests, Beck and Neve. Erin is sick today. <laughs> She's recovering. Um, but that doesn't mean we can still have a good time. We've got these two awesome <laughs> ladies to talk about Aussie music with us. To wrap things up, um, I think we'll talk about a movie that is pretty interesting to Australia and Australian film, and that's The Sapphires. It came out in 2012, it stars Deborah Mailman, Jessica Malboy, Miranda Tapsell, Chris O'Dowd, Judith Lucy, and Shari Sevens as well. It features original music 
sung by Jessica Malboy. Um, I think the clear, there's a Credence Clearwater Revival song, because it's a Vietnam movie. You have to have Credence Clearwater <laughs> Revival. Um, and they cover songs by Sam and Dave, Prinny Stevens, Otis Redding, and there's Deep Purple in there as well. Yeah, there's a few um, songs like thrown in the back that they're not doing covers of. That are like, oh, okay. But, um, yeah, a lot of soul covers and stuff Yeah, there's well. lots of kind of... Um, Diana Ross kind of similar yeah. covers, Diana Ross and the Supremes kind of music. Um, so, well, but it's a true story um, about orig- Aboriginal performers that served the troops in Vietnam. So um, in a really weird kind of time period, I guess, in Vietnam, they needed to cheer up the troops in some ways. So they sent performers from all over the world to kind of give them stuff to do yeah. when they weren't out um doing war stuff, which um, is an interesting storyline for the movie. It's kind of not a very common story that you hear. It's come up in another one, um, Love Child, the Australian TV show. Oh, okay. So it's not, like, that's not the main narrative in mm. that show, but that, it, like, does come up a few of the characters go over there. Yeah. Um, which is pretty interesting. But, yeah, other than that, I don't think I heard of it much. Like, this was the only time I was exposed to that idea. Yeah, and these two shows. I think there's lots to this plot that is kind of, if it's not too much of a dirty word, that social justice in a sense. Because, um, you know, every, I think every movie that's about a time period that's even before ours kind of goes into a lot of social justice ideas in a sort of sense. You know, there's the rabbit proof fence that goes into the stolen generation, and there's um, the sapphires, which taps into a similar theme. And it's interesting because a lot of the movie is very kind of, you know, obviously anti the stolen generation. It's like this was a terrible time period for everyone. No one loved it. Um, but at the same time, it's actually kind of pro-war in lots of ways as well. It's a lot of weird stuff. Um, it's very mixed. It's really strange. I watched this recently in film class. Um, and I was really – I was trying – it's one of those movies I'm trying so hard to love it. I'm like, I love everything about this. I love all the girls in it. Their singing and their acting is amazing. Um, I love the storylines, I love the characters, but the pro-war aspect is so crazy and it's mm. so backwards. Um, well, you know, they're, they're walking through Vietnam and, of course, you know, it's a, even for these, you know, downtrodden characters to get this opportunity is so great, but the way that they depict war is such a, like, oh, it's a holiday, it's this thing where you go to another country and you just hang out and you just do all this it's cool stuff. It's weird, isn't it? It is really weird. And they try to get to this point in the movie where there's a, situation where their characters get shot at and then Chris O'Dowd <laughs> dies, but then he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, his character, like, <laughs> dies and then he's, like... Spoilers! He's, well, spoilers for this movie. We spoil every movie on this show. I think that's just a rule going in. <laughs> yes. um, where his character is, like, pronounced dead and looks like he dies, but then, obviously, in the last ten minutes, it's like, hello, I'm alive, I'm Chris O'Dowd. <laughs> um, so, it's really Haven't weird. have the Irish suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris O'Dowd <laughs> suffered enough. He was really great in the IT crowd, IT crowd, and now I can't see him as anyone else. I know, it's hard, isn't it's it? It's really it's hard, weird. especially watching this movie where he's a love interest, and he's yes, kind of, he's there's supposed another, to be... Sorry, there's another um, movie where he's no, a love there's another movie. Uh, like... There's one about a, a priest... Where um, I can't, maybe it's not what you're thinking of. It's called Cavalry. Is it Bridesmaids? He is in yes, Bridesmaids. Yeah. That'd be the one. Um, That's probably he, what I've. He's in an Irish movie called Cavalry as well, okay. and he plays murderer. Yeah. Um, and you, I can't just unhear him saying, "Have you tried turning it off and on again?" Like <laughs> I can't unhear it. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's trying to be like the serious character in this movie as well. He's supposed to be like a charming kind of swanky um, musician. Yeah. And I just can't see it. No. I can't. You, know, you could have picked Literally anyone else but anyone Chris O'Dowd. So um, so like strange. I want to typecast him so bad. <laughs> While I, like, I agree with you in that he's so, um, I feel like the IT crowd is just him. The movie kind of still wouldn't, like, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the movie as much if he no. wasn't in the in it. Like, yeah, he, he is, a, he is a, I will say, he is a yeah. great character in it. Yeah. Um, and he has lots of, um, you know, comic aspects to him. Mm. I think what I personally like so much about the sound, the movie is the soundtrack. Yeah, um, same. It's kind of like a running gag, I guess, now in this show. I really love 60s and 50s kind of movies where they're set in that era. So the Sapphires was just like heaven for me. I was like, okay, this is so cool. It's Australian, Australia in the 60s um, in a time, you know, where I guess, you know. Do you like 70s Australian music as, as Australian movies as well? Yeah. Set in the 70s. Have you seen um, Swing and Safari? No, I don't think so. That has a good soundtrack as well. It's all okay. like 70s music. It's got Kylie Minogue in it. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, it's amazing. Go. It's so good. You should. But that's my little rec- off, okay. off, <laughs> um, off-track recommendation. Swinging Safari. Yeah, it's right. really, it's like, it's funny, but it's also weird. But it's like, it's just shot so well. Like, it's just like the sapphires. It's funny, but it's weird. Yeah, there's like an underlying thing where you're like, <laughs> but like there was a little bit where I was like, oh, no, bad. But like. I feel like that's happening in a lot of the movies that we've been talking about tonight. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, there's just a moment Throughout. that just makes you like, no, come on, come on, hey, come on. But like, most of it's really good, and I feel like anything in Kylie Minogue is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Um, but the soundtrack of this is so like, just the soul. I love the soul of it. Yeah, me too. Um, and it's kind of like it's funny because Jessica Jessica Malboy's in it, and I guess then. That's when her music career outside of the movie is really booming. It was really mm. getting big. And yeah, her... Another, another person I would die for. <laughs> Jessica Malboy. Her character is kind of like her in real life. And they kind of understand that she's a pop star in real life. And then her character is kind of like the most talented of the group. Yeah. And they, that actually plays into the storyline and the characterization. It's, pre- um, it's pretty funny for me. Because um, it kind of like, especially in the early parts of the movie... There's, they're into country, the, the sapphires, before they're called the sapphires. They're into country music and they're at the place where they meet Chris O'Dowd. They're performing some old country song. And then as they kind of decide that they're going to try and go to Vietnam to sing, um, they kind of, Chris brings them into soul music and they discover that. And that's kind of reflected in the soundtrack, which is really interesting because that's a similar like transition I went went oh, with yeah. like musically myself i like a year and a half ago i was really into country and folk and stuff and then i started getting into disco and soul i was yeah. like this is way better so then <laughs> watching this movie back last weekend i was like yes soul music yeah oh it's so relatable um yeah i love the whole cast i love them <laughs> i don't know where i was going that i just really think miranda tapsell is so fun yeah like she just seems like a really fun gal they all do. I just, I'd yeah. be friends with all of them. I'd be friends with them all. To. Judith Lucy again. I think. Oh, where does she, the, no, where does she pop up? She's super racist. 
Oh, yeah, by like she her owns the hotel. Person. Yeah, oh, she's a great, right. great person. She's <laughs> Judith Lucy is yeah, not racist. That's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I, her, her, you're like character, Judith Lucy <laughs> owns a hotel and she's hugely racist. <laughs> her character in the <laughs> movie is racist. Um, sorry, Judith, you're great. Uh, so you <laughs> commentate uh, the gift at Meredith, my first Meredith, and I love you. Um, but yeah, I, I don't love your character. <laughs> I, there's a good, there's a good bit at the end of this movie as well. They kind of. Yeah, well, yeah, spoilers, whatever. Um, <laughs> every character kind of gets together, everyone gets married, everyone gets happy, all that kind of stuff. And the movie ends with a song um, called Nagara Bara Fera, which I believe is like an indigenous like folk hymn. Yeah, or... yeah, it kind of like bookends the movie. Um, so it's at the start and the end. And um, it's a, sorry, I've got notes. Uh, it's based on a traditional indigenous hymn. And the song's called Bura Fera, and it's sung in the Yorta Yorta language. But um, looking back into the song's history, um, Bura Fera is actually based on this old Jewish uh, hymn that was in, uh, what was it, in Exodus. The lyrics were written in Exodus. So I don't know the story about how the Indigenous people started picking that up, but it's... Yeah, that'd be one interesting, because, was... like, Yorta Yorta's round ship. But in areas are not. I'm, I'm not totally up. sure. I think it's like northern Victoria, or maybe southern sure. New South Wales. But that's what. Um... Yes, because I feel like uh, it was where I used to live. That's why. I think that yeah. Yeah, so it's like basically on the. Here we go. Traditional Yorta Yorta lands lie on both sides of the Murray River, roughly from Kahuna, C O H U N A, not. <laughs> um, to Albury, Wodonga, they include towns such as Ashuka, Shepparton, yes, Benalla, Koroa, and Wangaratta, which is where I was born, um, and extend northwards to just south of Dunlilquin. So you're right. Oh, like, um, yeah. what do they call it? <laughs> What's the area called in English? They call it. It's uh, where. The, I'm. Uh, <laughs> sorry, can't help you. <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, oh, the um. Riverina. Okay, Riverina. No, that's, that's what, what I was trying to say. Riverina. <laughs> so south, uh, southern Riverina area. Thank you. Whew, sorry. <laughs> I was that was going to drive off. me nuts if I didn't get it. I was Ugh. on a completely different wavelength because okay. I remember passing through Daniloquin and going to Geraldry once and there was something about Ned Kelly in the town. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rowan okay. is Ned Kelly's own. Okay, that's it. My sister went to school camp there. She brought us back a little statue of oh. It's probably a movie about Back him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's like 10 million movies about Ned Kelly. I want to briefly go back to what you were talking about. <laughs> when... Briefly back get to, back on back track. Back to the sapphires. No, 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 I learned a lot of things in that chat. Thanks, Neith. <laughs> um, back to the sapphires. When you're talking about how they kind of glorify the war a little bit, mm. I thought there was an interesting point. It's when they first land in Saigon and... Deep Purple's Hush is played in the background, like the original song. And it's like, there's a weird contrast between this, because it's a really kind of upbeat, uplifting song, and the Sapphires have just landed in Saigon, so they're mm. kind of pretty excited about it. But then there's a visual montage, and there's uh, it's a combination of shots of the Sapphires kind of being a bit excited, and then also... Um, Saigon being in this kind of state of tragedy with the war and there's mm. shots of like smoke and fire and dead bodies and stuff like that. So it's just kind of a little bit it's, odd. It's weirdly on the fence. It's yeah. like, war's cool, but it's not, it is, it's not. It's yeah. so strange. It's like, I think it's kind of like, 
reflective of the Australian psyche in that. Like, oh, yes. Very like, oh, we're so like jingoistic when it comes to war, but like we know it's bad. Yeah. But it's like because as like Australia as, you know, federated, you know, colonized Australia tends to only recognize like white Australian history, we don't have much else apart from like we got Anzacs. involved in these wars. Yeah. And so it's like Ah, like we know it's bad, but it's like it's all we have yeah, because we're a bunch of racist. You know what I mean? Like it's that sort of like, ooh, like we're yeah, exactly. Like it's bad, but it's good. It's that kind of like like we're talking about like cringy moment of like, yeah. oh my god, what's going on? I guess yeah. to sum it up, Australian film could be pretty cringy at times. Oh, I guess, but not in like a bat that is so terrible you cringe. But it's like oh, culture. It's, it's very like culture cringe. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like a cultural cringe, but not cultural cringe. I get it. Not the not the phenomena known as cultural <laughs> cringe. Um, I, I guess we'll wrap up the show with uh, this tune then, the yeah. tune from the Sapphires, which is Nagara Borafera. You've been listening to OST, original soundtrack, with Paul, Neve, and Beck talking all things Aussie soundtracks. Make sure you tune in to us next week. We'll be talking about wrestling again <laughs> a second time <laughs> wrestling will come up um so please tune in uh every tuesday at 7 p.m here on sin nation if you're listening on podcast thank you so much for listening to us you're legendary you should also listen to the hoist as well thanks which is thanks. every tuesday at six when are you on the hoist oh, next Neve? tuesday wednesday thursday one day tuesday wednesday thursday i'm on thursday night you're on thursday night yep. so listen to neve please uh, thanks for having us paul oh no yeah, worries thanks. great show i'm very honored to be invited no thank you yeah so this is Nagara Borafera from the Sapphires OST. Thank you for listening. Uh, before we go again, girls, when I met you, you were doing your whole country and western thing, and that's fine. We all make mistakes. But here's where we learn from that mistake. Country and western music is about loss. Soul music is also about loss. But the difference is, in country and western music, They've lost, they've given up, and they're just at home whining about it. In soul music, they're struggling to get it back, and they haven't given up. So every note that passes through your lips should have the tone of a woman who's grasping and fighting and desperate to retrieve what's been taken from her. You understand? Now what it is that you're searching for, that's up to you. I'm just here to get you there, you know? I'll take you there. There is a place called the Apollo Theater. It's where dreams are made, where legends are born. Want more from OST? Check us out on Facebook at OST Original Soundtrack.